my heart inside of me was like, yes, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. We want to pass on a lit torch. Amen. That is so awesome. That was prophetic. And that's what we're doing with our church building right now. We are creating, we're, we're adding fuel to the fire. Amen. And it was so fun this last week because we had tours on Monday and the kids areas are these great big spaces. And Jackie said it best. She goes, they don't need to be told how to use the space. Those kids went into the space. They owned the space. They were running around the space. They were cheering each other on to run their race. Amen? We're passing on a lit torch, church, and we've only got 22 seats remaining. For those of you who are new and visiting today, we've been building this uh, new church building out behind Target and put out a call to the church to raise, um, each chair represents $1,000 and to raise $300,000, and we are just almost at that point, only 22 chairs. So yes, praise God. And thank you so much for your generosity and your faithfulness. Uh, we're going to go ahead and prepare for the tithes and offering this morning. My name is Angie. I'm happy to serve here in guest services and wherever else they'll let me. And one of the things that I want to share this morning is, you know, whenever the Bible talks about wisdom or identifies the wise, I want to lean in. Because I want to walk as a wise woman, don't you? Wise man, wise woman. And so the Bible identifies wise men in the, in the Christmas story. And this is what we see in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. It says, When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with mother his Mary and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men did four things. They sought after the king. They put great value on pursuing him. They rejoiced when they saw him. They knew that the promises of God were fulfilled. They were yes and amen. They worshiped. They took a posture of worship. They fell down before him. And then they offered him the best gifts that they could possibly give him. And that's what I want to encourage you today, this morning. I want to encourage you to pursue the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. To get to know him and identify him as your own God. I want to encourage you to rejoice that the promises to you that are written in his word are relevant for your life today. And they are yes and amen. For those of you that have questioned and given up hope and have wondered, does God still have a plan and a purpose for my life? Yes and amen, he does. And I want you to grab a hold of those promises. I want to encourage you today to be worshipers of the Most High God, to fall prostrate before him and lay your life out before him and trust him with it. And most of all, I want to encourage you to give your best gift as you give this morning, honoring him as king, honoring him as God, and honoring him as your savior. There is no one that deserves more honor, amen? Amen. So we've got multiple ways to give. You can text to give. You can um, give out in the foyer with cash or check. And um, PayPal, Venmo, you got it. So let's go ahead and pray over this morning's offering. 
Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. We thank you, God, to dedicate our lives as vessels that honor you, that build your kingdom, and that grow your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you bless the gifts that come in today and bless the givers in a mighty way, that they would know you in a greater way. In Jesus' name, amen. Christmas isn't really about snow and lights and chimneys and presents. It's not about malls and movies and bells and sleighs. It's not about cards and carols and candy and cheer. Christmas is about a king. A king who became a baby and a baby who became a savior. Christmas is about a light that shatters the darkness and begins a new day. Christmas is about a gift, not a toy wrapped in paper, but a savior swaddled in a manger. Christmas is about a home, the Savior leaving His so we could have one forever. Christmas is about the Creator who entered into creation and shared in our humanity but never our depravity. Christmas is about a cross because there's no heaven without Calvary and no Calvary without Bethlehem. Christmas is about Jesus. He's the reason for the season and every season and every day, hour, and moment. Christmas is about you. Because while it's true that Christ came into the world for you, don't forget that you came into the world for Christ. Good morning, church. Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, welcome to our communion Christmas candlelight service. And uh, we have, I hear the kids in here, which is wonderful. You know, they say the average age of our church is 29. That's awesome. I mean, that is tremendous, uh, uh, having a vibrant, alive church. Can you say amen? Uh, a quick shout out once again. Uh, this is Jack's idea, the men's tool exchange. So that's, you know, you know, we don't want you trying to wrap any gift. Just throw it in a bag, all right? Tie a knot. Uh, but uh, we're going to have a fun night that night for men to come out. And I think we've hired Angie to facilitate the rules and if you know, with uh, the teacup exchange, Angie is the, the queen of the rules and how it goes. So I don't know how this night's going to go with these tools. And uh, Jack, you coming up here? With, you got some? Come on up, Jack. Yeah, where's the mic here? We've got here. Here, use this. Okay. This, this was not planned. Um, yeah, January 14th, 2022, from 6 to 8 p.m. This is an event for men, okay? This is a collaboration of ideas with Mike and a few others and myself, and we want you to come out and enjoy it. Um, this is not a uh, white elephant event. This is bring a tool that you like, that you've used, that you uh, want others to, you know, enjoy. Maybe it's new, maybe it's used, gently used. It's a great night for you to bring a friend who needs a church home. It's a great way to plug in. Uh, we will have a, um, a catered dinner to include brats and scalloped potatoes and baked beans, dessert, water, coffee, real men food. Okay? And um, you'll have to sit in the, in the bedroom. No, I'm just kidding. You bring what you want if you want to bring a salad, but otherwise it'll be catered. And uh, uh, your your tool should be brought in a 
white plastic bag with newspaper. We don't want to see it. We want it to be a surprise. So wrap it in newspaper. It'll be set on a table. Angie will explain the rules when we get to that point. And um, we hope you can make it. Sounds great. Let's give Jack a hand. This is his idea. Thank you. Thank you for having a heart for the men <clears throat> entering into 2022. J Jerry, come on up, Jerry. <clears throat> I don't need the mic. Jerry is number 20. What's 24? Oh, holiday. Does it rep? Does the bag represent the gift? Oh, baby. You know, Holly has got a ton of projects for me. And this is good. I did not know this was going to happen this morning. What number do you have? I have number 25. Oh, so he can steal? Oh. No, we need to. So this is coming handy. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Give him a hand. Is there any other numbers? Before I begin. Wait a minute. Take your bag. Hey. Thank you, guys. We're going to have fun that night. Amen? So thank you for orchestrating this. It's going to be a great night for the guys. Great time to, to invite a guy that uh, uh, you know and a friend and just to get connected and have a great time of fellowship. Amen. Let me take a moment and pray and just share briefly here what's on my heart. Father, I humble myself before you. I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people here today what they need. We thank you for the birth of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again also for all of the tremendous sacrifice financially and the giving that has come in. We are so close uh, for this goal, and we know that the Lord is in it. Just encourage you to pray about, uh, pray about what you should do in these next few weeks and we're believing, God, that we will exceed this goal with the building. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I just have a couple of things I want to talk to you about. It's really twofold here briefly. Is for the believer here today, how many Christians we got in the house? Can I get an amen? This is to encourage you that to be, you should be grateful this season. Not just this season, but every day of our life. You know, the scripture says, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Notice it doesn't say for everything. How many know there's a lot of stuff that's happening that really isn't the heart of God for your life? But in that situation, we are to still give thanks. He's not saying give thanks for the bad things, the difficult things, but he says in it. And so this is for a message for believers to be thankful and grateful. Uh, you know, ingratitude and unthankfulness. And, you know, when, we, when we're, we have unthankfulness in our heart, uh, we really, we, we, we cannot have fellowship with the Lord. He, we really can't. Um, <clears throat> how many of you know that a grateful heart is a happy heart? And that's what God's called us to be grateful. The Bible talks about that in Romans one twenty one about unthankfulness and how uh, uh, that, that they had that ingratitude and they were judged for their unthankfulness. And so God takes gratefulness and ungratefulness seriously. 
And so, you know, we think about the story about the 10 lepers and how I remember that they, he healed them all, but how many came back and thanked him? Just one. And did not Jesus say, were there not 10 that were healed? But only one came back. You know, our God is a good God. He's a giver. <clears throat> but he, he really, to move the heart of God and have the presence of God, which is so important in a church house, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, agencies out there. They do good, uh, and, and there are social clubs, uh, but they don't have the presence of God. That's what distinguishes the local house, the church house, and we want God's presence. So to have God's presence in a greater capacity, we need to be thankful. Can you say amen? amen. And so, so that's what in this part of this message too, I know I'm prepping a little bit here, is for the seeker, the one that's wondering about this whole thing about this baby Jesus in, and uh, maybe even some skeptics that you would seriously consider, not just hear this message this morning, but seriously consider the intent of what is being talked about this morning for your life. And so as I begin, I want to talk to you about how the baby Jesus, uh, subtitle of my message, thank you, baby Jesus, because we're going to thank the baby Jesus for coming, how the birth of Christ has changed the world this little baby 2,000 years ago. How many with me say amen? amen? When we think of one single event throughout all of history that has changed mankind and it had to actually, the power to split time from B.C. to A.D. was what? The birth of Christ. The birth of Christ was that, that split that. Virtually the entire world restarted its calendar because of the baby Jesus. Somebody say amen. It was no small thing that happened. The birth of Jesus changed the world. He was the only God-man to ever fulfill the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah. He was conceived, the Bible says, miraculously as a virgin named Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. You say, well, that's a big leap right there you did, Pastor Mike. That's true. It is a huge leap. That is a miracle. But here's the thing. If God exists, miracles are possible. So if he doesn't exist, this is a big joke. We're wasting time here, and we're getting nowhere, and it's all a lie. But if God does exist, everything's possible. He can easily place a seed in a woman, overshadow, and she can uh, uh, deliver a child. Can you say amen? So the Bible says that he was 100% man, 100% God. He lived the only sinless life of humanity. The Bible says he performed numerous miracles. He took on the sins of the entire world and he nailed uh, them to the cross with his flesh. And then the Bible says he rose from the dead, another miracle. Three days later, as prophesied, friends, only God can do that. And when, when someone prophesies about their death, their burial, and then their resurrection, I go whatever that guy says. He's God, amen? That's why I believe the resurrection. <clears throat> Praise God. And the Bible says that he lives in those who have first repented and believed and received him personally into their lives. Terms like born again, saved, born from above, regenerated, converted. They're all synonymous with you having a transformation in your spirit, man or woman. If you have not had that, lean in because we're gonna give you an opportunity to receive Christ here. So throughout history, the influence that Jesus had in the lives of people has been has never been surpassed. No other great leader has inspired so many positive changes in the lives of its followers. People who encounter the risen Christ, are, they're totally transformed because of salvation. 
Their outlook on life is altered forever. They stay true to their faith. They, they do not hesitate to face, face hardship, persecution, and even death. Many believers, they, they consecrate their lives to serving others, minimizing their own needs and desires. So this morning, this Christmas communion service, I want to just briefly inspire you with the truth of how the birth of Jesus Christ changed the world. Number one, individuals. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The essence of Jesus' mission was to save the individual lives of every person, watch this, who freely chooses. Somebody shall chooses. Just because he died on a cross doesn't mean you're going to heaven. I mean, there's a lot of teaching that's out there that says, well, Jesus died for my sins and everyone's fine. No, 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 no. You must be converted. You must be born again. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? We'll talk about that. But hey, who freely chooses. You have an act of your will in this. I know the spirit of God draws and I know the desire of God is that all men and women might be saved, but you have a choice in the matter. You can freely choose. See, here's the thing. No decision is a decision. That's indecision, and you made a decision to not decide. Hallelujah. Freely chooses. They repent. They believe. They put their trust in him. Here's the thing. Jesus just didn't point the way to a set of ideals or moral principles as many other teachers have. No, rather, Jesus promised that when we are born from above, born again, we are converted. The Bible says that he would come and live inside of us, guiding and empowering people to live meaningful and godly lives. This was a new dynamic to live a productive life. Friends, over the last 2,000 years, it is the spirit of Jesus Christ in millions and now billions of people that have altered the landscape of history through changing lives. Somebody say amen. You can thank the baby Jesus for coming. Amen. Number two, women, Galatians 3.28. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What does this mean? Very briefly, though we are equal as our inheritance as children of God, we are not all the same. There is no unisex teaching here. That misses the point of the whole text. Oneness that he's talking about that Paul, when he's writing, uh, refers to equality. In other words, receive, excuse me, receiving a share of the promised covenant. The apostle Paul doesn't uh, invalidate gender roles in the church, okay? He, he, there is a distinction in roles, male, female, come on, husband and wife. Uh, I'm sorry, but you're, you're not a worm, okay? God's made you either male or female. Can I get an Amen. God's not confused with your identity, neither should you be. Just thought I'd throw that out there here this morning. Amen? He doesn't want you to be confused. However, in salvation, and the point is, is that women are absolutely equal to men. And that's the teaching in the Bible. Paul is not advocating a genderless ideology anymore than he is promoting the idea that a Greek is now a Jew. No, instead, Paul unfolds the richness of our equality in God's eyes. We are all equally welcome, loved, and heirs. Now, here's the point. No one altered the role of women in society more than the teachings of Jesus. Prior to the New Testament times, women labored in harsh, subservient roles, often nothing more than slaves to men and their families. You know, the Roman philosopher and orator and statesman, Cicero, he said he likened women to slaves, 
dogs, horses, and donkeys, all possessions to be used and cast away. That was the mindset of women. But Jesus' teaching and example reconfirmed the truth that in every way, from the time of creation, women are of equal worth as men in God's sight. Somebody say amen including their complementary roles in the marriage relationship. All of the women's rights we enjoy, especially in the past 200 years, were produced by the Christian faith, by the Christian faith. So, you know, even in, in, in many of the Muslim society today, women are considered second-class citizens, not like in, in, in the Christian West where women have all the same rights as men. So if you're a woman living in the Western uh, nation, you can thank the baby Jesus for the freedoms you enjoy. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> the family, number three, Ephesians 5, 22. Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I remember that verse, uh, and because my parents would always, you know, show me that verse. Children, obey your parents. But then I read a little bit further on when I was a teenager. It says, Father, provo provoke not your children to wrath. Come on. And so I would remind him of that. <laughs> Just thought I threw that out. But the application of Jesus' teaching also gave permanent strength and completeness to the world's most important institution, the family. Wives are not slaves. Husbands are not to be tyrants, lording over their wife. And children possess significance. The Christian truths of submission, equal worth, partnership, Equality and self-sacrificing love gave harmony and protection to family relationships that over hundreds of years became the foundation of Western civilization and culture. How many know that you can thank the baby Jesus for the family? Can you say amen? Number four, the church. How many still with me this morning? We doing all right? The church, Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many know that gates are a defensive position, not an offensive? A gate keeps people out, right? A gate, I mean, if you're going to go to hell, you got to fight to get there. Okay, you really do by rejecting Christ. You got, but the gates of hell, Jesus said, will not prevail. And gates are a defensive position. And, and, and the church, though, is called to be on that. Actually, when you look that up, the church, when it talks about uh, that position, it means making an attack. Making it, the church is to attack the kingdom of darkness. The church should be the one taking ground, building buildings, moving forward, changing the culture. Can I get an amen? Some of you are wondering, where did we show up here this morning? Who is this crazy guy? I'm excited because God said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Now, the church has not always properly applied the teachings of Christ. However, it is true that no group of people have made a more positive impact on the world than the Christian church. That's a fact. God's people transformed the Roman Empire. You say, well, how so? The church rescued learning from the destruction of the Middle Ages. The church raised Europe out of barbarism. The church pioneered the new world and sent Christian civilization to the ends of the earth. Friends, history would be unrecognizable today without the acts of God's people in every century. You can thank the baby Jesus for coming for the church. Can you say amen? Number five, love, Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, that you are being rooted and grounded in love. May know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Now, this word love is a word that Jesus introduced. It's the Greek word agape. 
It's the highest kind of love. It is a selfless, unconditional. It's the love that Christ shown by going to the cross, dying willingly for people that hated him. That's, that's agape love. See, here's the thing. Love is the first consequence of the indwelling of Jesus in the soul. So how do I know someone is born again? I see the love of Christ on them. Because when tragedy and all these things happen, it's the Christians that rise up and love one another in hell. The love of Jesus Christ has made a permanent mark upon the world. For 2,000 years, followers of the loving Christ have carried his compassion and care to people everywhere. You know, I may say in English, you know what? I really love that, that ice cream. That was really good. Or, you know what, I love that car. Man, that car looks really good. Or, wow, I love that suit. That suit fits you really good. Or, I love those shoes. How many know what I'm talking about? Or, you know what, I love steak, mashed potatoes. And, oh, by the way, honey, I love you too. See, we just throw it all together. But the Greeks had a very specific understanding and various uh, translations of love. Uh, and this word, agape, once again, is the highest kind. There was eros, there was passionate, uh, uh, sensual love, there was phileo friendship, storge is family. But in this translation, the Bible talks about the highest kind of love. Christ bought, brought agape love that each and every one of us, when we receive Christ, we have the ability to operate in agape love. Somebody say amen. Nations have been won through Jesus' agape love. You know, I remember when the tsunami hit in 2004, and we were there in Sri Lanka, not at that time, uh, six months before we were, and um, some of the testimony of the tragedy was a a horrible uh, 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 situation that devastated a lot of part of Southeast Asia, and 250,000 lives were lost. But uh, 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 what, what I was told from firsthand experience that the, 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 a lot of the, the, the Buddhists, and, and they were crying out, and there were Christians there, that, and they were telling them to cry out to their God to, to save them, and they needed help. And, and uh, the Christians came in, and, and the Christians came in, and they, they, they ministered the love of God. And many souls were saved out of that horrible thing with the enemy, I believe, brought Salvation came to, to many of those unbelievers. It's the love of Jesus. The majority of hospitals and compassion ministries throughout history have been launched in his name. When there are earthquakes, tsunamis, fires, typhoons, and now these tornadoes that have struck uh, the southeast, God's love to his people, they run to alleviate human suffering. They run. Fire the Red Cross, World Vision, We've worked with agencies such as Eight Days of Hope, and there's thousands and thousands of other groups. Who would start something like that? Who would care about something like that other than the love of God? The love of God. Where would our world be without the birth of the baby Jesus? Where would our world be without the love of Christ as expressed through his people? Thank the baby Jesus for coming. Can you say amen? Almost done here. Education, Colossians 2, 3. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom in knowledge. You know, the great literature of Greece and Rome and all the ancient world would be lost if it weren't for Christian monks who preserved that knowledge during the Middle Ages. I started to dig in and read a little bit. There's an actual, an example. There's some correspondence between two monks from the ninth century discussing mathematical problems that, to modernize, look totally elementary, but were cutting edge at the time. They preserved 
mathematics. The first universities in Paris in London were started by believers who had a thirst for knowledge and wisdom. I don't know if you knew that. The printing of the Gutenberg Bible was considered by Time magazine the most important event in the past 500 years. Why? Because it made truth and knowledge easily available to the masses. The first 120 universities in America were started by followers of Jesus. The advance, this is all true. This is all fact. For the advancement of the Christian faith, most of the major milestones in human education flow from one fountain, faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, baby Jesus, for coming. Somebody say amen. The arts, Ephesians 5, 1 through 19. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, Francis Schaeffer, he pointed out in his book, How Should We Then Live? He said that the coming of Christ greatly influenced the arts. And he writes, and he says, this is interesting. Prior to the birth of Jesus, all music was played in minor chords. I didn't know that. Showing the incompleteness and lack of harmony in life. After the death and the resurrection of Jesus, salvation coming into humanity, it brought wholeness to individuals. Nations and people began creating major chord music in realistic art. All of it an expression of their reconciliation to God. Thank you, baby Jesus, for coming. Amen. See, when, 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 when our lives are transformed by God's power and we're brought into right relationship with God, you know what happens to people? People sing. People paint. People dance. People create things. Why? That's the nature of God. Thank you, baby Jesus. Hallelujah. We could go on and on and talk about the business and wealth and the biblical principles of labor and and industry, which eventually became free enterprise uh, capitalism that led the world out of its mass poverty, or or even modern science was born of the Christian faith, actually, not in opposition to it. That's a fact. None of this would have been possible without the believing uh, uh, believing in a God whose creation can be understood. The creator is Jesus Christ. Stand with me if you would, please. As we prepare for communion, Ephesians 3.17 says that Christ... May dwell in your hearts through faith. Somebody shall faith. 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 Jesus lived the life of complete faith in the Father. And not only that, he imparted that faith to his followers, those who receive him. Faith in Jesus led to caring for the poor, led to ministering to the sick. Once again, starting hospitals, schools, sharing the good news around the world. Faith in Jesus is what caused Church for the Harvest to, to go to over 10 different nations and preaching the gospel and seeing thousands and thousands of souls saved and prisons and uh, uh, schools of ministry started and, and, and empowered and churches built. Faith in Jesus led to applying Christian principles to government, economics, social issues, and every other engine of progress. Here's the thing. Jesus was not just a good man who founded a great religion. Listen to this. He was the son of God. He was the son of God, sent on a mission to transform the world through changing individual lives one at a time, one at a time. I want you to just bow your heads in this moment as we're about to pray. I want you just to imagine for a moment what your life would be like if this little baby Jesus had not come. Number one, you'd be powerless in your sins, separated from God forever. If you're a woman, you'd have no rights and no future. 
Your family would have no hope. You'd just be continually broken and dysfunctional. There would be no worship. There would be no fellowship of brethren and sisters. You would most likely be living under some tyrant without education and probably in miserable poverty. You'd be fearful of nature, creation, worshiping idols. And the art forms would express those fears. You would lack faith, hope, and love in this life and also in the next with every head bowed. Sadly, that description fits the circumstances of many people alive today who have not heard of Jesus and his salvation. Or for many who have heard the message numerous times, many times, but they have rejected his lordships. Friends, I want to encourage you today, those listening online, don't reject the baby Jesus. Don't reject what Christ has come to bring. Jesus is worthy of our highest praise, not only for what he did, but also for who he is and what he is still doing. You know, it's hard to imagine a world without the birth of Jesus. And because of that, this morning, I'm thankful, and I believe you are. It's hard to imagine a world without faith in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, over 2 billion people now share that faith worldwide. The good news today is that you can be one of them. I said you can be one of them if you choose. You can be one of them. Don't be like the man who looks in the mirror, the Bible says, and hears the word and walks out and goes, oh, that was nice, that was cute, that was good, a little informative. And don't change your life by accepting Christ. You're here this morning. The Bible says that there is a life after death. There will be a resurrection of all people. And here's the thing. Faith is action. Faith is decision. It's not passive. You choose. You decide to believe. Well, I have all these questions. Well, I have all these things I don't understand. That's okay. In time, God will bring answers to those questions. You know, the atheists have good questions, but Christians have great answers. Because the Bible is full of it. You're here this morning. You said, Pastor, I've, I've never made... I've never made a decision. I just thought we were all part of, God, a part of God's family, and I didn't know I needed to do something great. You can join with us here in a moment to receive Christ. It's a simple prayer, but it's a very costly prayer. And what you're doing is you're recognizing that Christ came, he died, and you choose to believe you put your faith in that, and that he rose again, and that he is God Almighty in the flesh. And because of his resurrection, now we have the answers to life. And he is the only one that can bring eternal life in our life. Salvation only through Jesus Christ. There is no other name. There is no other religion. But by the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're here this morning. You say, yes, pastor. I want to be converted. I need to be right with God. With every head bowed, let's pray together. Say to me, say, Jesus, I believe died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I repent. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. This day, I make a decision and I say, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. Jesus, I will serve you all the days of my life. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that and you meant that, we're here to help you on your journey, help you grow in your faith, help you and your family. 
in this new life in Christ. And we have information there making that decision. Amen.